0: I wanted to pick up on the point that you just made. We take things personally. Yeah. That the, the reason that we take things personally is because we believe that there's a person that is the target. So just like a target takes an arrow, and we think that, uh, that we are... Um, That I am the target or that. um, When I recognize little tiny problems in my life, I think that they're my problems and they are me. And so if I I make a gap, then that's my gap, right?
1: Yes, yes, it is. Yeah, very on point.
0: (laughs) And so when we. Uh start not just a, not just an actual meditation practice sitting alone on the couch or the cushion but coming to a teacher and these recordings are are, are actually recording the the, the ideas. oh it's me that's being exposed now I'm becoming the target by letting all of this stuff out but what the audience hears is not that what if anything, they say it's really brave of him to do to do that to talk to the teacher, let it be recorded so that uh, everyone can understand that basically we're all alike.
1: Yeah yeah really There's only
0: yeah. a few bad habits. There's only a very few of them. And I'm not talking about alcoholism and drug abuse and all of that. No, the bad habits that I'm talking about is anger, fear, sadness,
1: a feeling of
0: loss, a feeling of inadequacy. Those are the feelings that are bad habits.
1: Yeah, yeah. And usually when those things come up, it's always in the context of like, I don't. I hate this. I really don't like this. And usually it's not even like a momentary reaction. It's more like taking something from the past and now like you go to your job and every day it's like you create a, like, I don't want to be here. I've been to another job before and I don't like this job. And it's this, but it's a whole nother job. It's a whole nother place. It's a whole different thing. It's like, it doesn't even, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. You know, it's that simple. Like it looks like even to the deepest addictions, and that I would like to talk about a little bit too, like how I I was able to change my diet and break an addiction that has been on me forever. It's really like, I thank you so much for that to help me through that. Thank you.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, I really
0: well, do thank you. I'm, I'm surprised that we even have a word addiction in our language. Yeah, I know. That the word addiction has so many really negative connotations to it that it almost becomes an oxymoron when you could say that someone is addicted to laughter or addicted to smiling. Or how about addicted to breathing? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. So another way of looking at it is is not uh, that it's an addiction addiction but that it's a habit okay now there's a major distinction in there that's very deep in the language itself the addiction means that you have been captured by something (laughs) yes the habit means that i'm actually trying to do something or capture something which is a completely so in in a way they're kind of backwards oh, and man. when we and when we when we take out the quality of the addiction that takes us almost immediately out of the framework of being a loser at least into the neutral position mm-hmm. because the word addiction automatically makes someone a loser because something's got you it's got you by the tail Okay, or by the throat and these are often analogies that people will use for addiction that it's got me no it doesn't you're doing it you've got it it's not that it's got you (laughs) and so (laughs) yeah
1: it's
0: the I am right it's the I am gotten rather than recognizing no no this is just an old pattern it's just an old habit and, the, and the, the habit got started because of the feelings of liking and not liking. Now, being able to change one's diet only means to change one's habits. In a certain kind of lifestyle, you only have to change the habits once a week when you go grocery shopping. <laughs> yeah. And then if you have the habit of uh buying healthy food and only have healthy food at home then your diet's naturally going to change because um if we make a joke we can say because of the food addiction. Yeah, it's yeah. We're addicted to eating food. So we'll eat anything that's available. And so the only real tough mind control has to do with um, going shopping. That's yeah. a really important point. If if you've got something uh, that's fairly delicious sitting in the refrigerator beside something that's really, really delicious, but it's full of sugar... <laughs> which you were going to take okay the one that's really they put all of the sugar in there to make it really delicious so you would buy that grocery from the store that's the whole point of it is, is that in, so now it's not a food addiction it's something else we can call it a sugar addiction but it's not really addicted to sugar it's addicted to the taste that we like the way it tastes Mm -hmm. And so now we're going down to the real issue is the feeling. Mm -hmm. I like it, and therefore I want it. And that only has to be resisted once when uh, shopping. Or um, there's kind of a a catch-22 situation in the sense that if one is intending to change one's eating habits... That if they don't tell anyone, they keep it secret, then it's easy to break that habit or not break the habit. It's easy to break down and follow the habit. But if you are living with other people and you announce to them and they support you in your lifestyle or eating change, then it's actually easier to do. And there's another point, and that is is that often, uh, like in the situation that I'm in here where the food is given or served or brought, I don't have much choice about the food that's brought, but with a conversation or even a lifestyle change with the whole house, now um, uh, instead of the cook Wanting to make sure that you really like what she's cooking. Because cooks do that. That's where the whole food industry came from, is do you like my cooking? Which means <laughs> yeah. do you like me? And yeah. so the cook then has to change that mentality of am I cooking something that he'll eat all of? Because the the whole show is, is that if he likes it, he'll eat it all. And if he doesn't eat all of it, that means there's something wrong with me. Yeah. Yeah. And yet uh changing one's eating style means that we have to in fact uh begin to find a way of saying no or I'm finished before the food runs out.
1: I think for me it's more like just like for me it was like reflecting on what like is it really worth it to eat all this you know, really what stuff that was genuinely I was just being overdoing it like for myself. um, I could feel it happening like overdoing it to the point where I would just sleep all like I would eat so much that I would get tired.
0: Well, if we overeat, then that means that we have to use all of that blood to do all of that digestion and make all of those chemical changes in the body, which means also uh, uh, that the blood is, basically drained out of the brain. This is exactly the reason why they say don't go swimming right after you eat. Mm. Yeah, It's because uh, the blood is being used to, uh, uh, to digest the food. And so uh, that's another point is uh, to change the focus, not from... Hmm. The Buddha has an entire... Uh, Actually, it's a, almost a poem, but it's in the Sutta number two, in the Saba Asava Sutta, that, oh, it's such a powerful Sutta, it's got so many good points, and, and this is the Sutta that has the four requisites. And the the four requisites are means requirements, that certain things we require are really good example of that, though it's not actually listed as a requirement, is we need to breathe air. I think that that was not a requirement for the Buddha, because in those days they didn't quite understand atmosphere the way that we do now, but they were, you know, learning. They knew about pratyana at least, and anatana. So, um, when we understand the word um, requisites, this is also the issue about poverty we can say that when one has the four requisites we don't need any more than that and yet our society doesn't know where that line or that bar is and so the idea is the more the better the more we yeah. get the better we're off we're going to be uh i want more i want more i want i want i want. And so we get into a culture of wanting rather than looking at the culture of what is enough? What is satisfying? What is satisfactory? And so we begin to work with the four requisites. Just enough housing, just enough clothing, just just enough food, and just enough medical attention. All right? Just the adequate. Now, in fact, you can see that The way society works if we look at it from that it's got nothing to do with how much money they have money is not the issue the issue is do we have the things that we need for adequate living and so not having adequate medical care not having adequate food and not having adequate housing i think that clothing is not much of an issue It, it is if you don't have any at all but uh uh, uh, the whole fashion industry has made sure that there's way too much clothing can you imagine yeah. what would happen to the clothing industry if people only wore what they needed to wear
1: yeah like I remember I stopped buying clothes a long time ago like I just got tired of it <laughs> it's like you got to get this new shoe and then you got to get this new thing
0: it's like oh okay. right after right after I I Uh, Disrobed in 2008, there was a period of time that I needed a wardrobe because I had no wardrobe for outer clothing for years, other than the robes. Guess what? That clothing spree that happened then has never been repeated, and almost never have there's. It's like one or two pair of sandals. Yeah has that's been purchased since then. People <laughs> have given a few gifts, but because, why? Because all the old stuff uh, still it is getting old, it's seen to be getting old, and somehow I kind of like it, that all the clothes are really old. Uh, the other one is the adequate medical. Now, in the time of the Buddha, there wasn't much. That yeah. in fact, in the time of the Buddha, right when he became um, enlightened and started the Sangha, they didn't have much housing at all. And so they had to seek shelter during the time when it was rains and whatnot like that. And so the lay people started to build little huts and salas. Uh, a, a sala is basically uh, a rook with enough uh, um, post To support the fact that there's a roof above us,
1: and and that's funny because it says same word uh, in Spanish for living room. It sounds like exactly the same, like sala, la sala, la the the la sala, yeah, like that's the exact same word for like a living room space, a space basically.
0: Okay, well, guess what? Spanish is as an Indo-European language, and so is Pali. Okay, yeah. Yeah, they come okay. from the same root, and there's so many words that are um, transferable. Um, one of the funniest one is the word pot. The word pot is actually in the Pali language, and it's the bo- it's the pot that the monks carry. They call <laughs> it pot in Thai because they've kind of changed the B to a P, but it's still a pot. And the old translators, they saw the word pot right there. Why would they translate that to bowl when, in fact, it doesn't even need to be translated? The answer is you don't put pots on an altar. It's not sacred that you have chalice and bowls and things like that on an altar. The pot's for the kitchen. And so the mentality, actually, that's the uh, one of the points to make is, is that much of the language that we use it, that we call Buddhist language or the language of Buddhism in English now is heavily, heavily Christianized. And, you,
1: and you'd and you be surprised, like e- even modern day Christianity is really different than or, like, even the Asian version of it, like old, really old. Like it's a lot of um, r- westernized opinions about how to interpret it and everything. Mostly through like a hierarchy based hierarchies and
0: stuff like that. Right. So we have to see past the language to get back down to what the Buddha was, was talking about. whole bunch of words. We won't go into the list right now, uh, the longer list. But the short list is like suffering. Dukkha does not mean suffering. Samati. Samati does not mean concentration. Uh, the list goes on. Uh, the robe is not a robe (laughs) the monk is not a monk (laughs) the nun is not a nun the monastery is not a monastery the temple is not a temple (laughs) Um, meditation is not meditation in fact the whole word of meditation is uh, more of a cogitation to where this is an actual skill development or practice that we're doing Uh, to where meditation, like you meditate on something, is like a problem you're trying to solve or a, tr- a puzzle you're trying to put together. Yeah. And so meditation has that kind of problem.
1: But meanwhile,
0: let's go back to the original point about the four requisites and cover more specifically the one on food. Because... Uh, um, I'm going to go ahead and get the book and read it right to you. Okay. At least this is the Kuboti's uh, rendering of it. They do this actually um, they call it the food reflection Um, and at the retreats in, in Asia uh, especially at Wotsu and Mok, and because of they started doing it so many years ago at watsu and Mok, many, many of the retreat centers around here will use uh, that translation of it. Um, reflecting wisely. In other words, we're watching what we're doing. This is a, um, reflecting wisely. He uses alms food to neither for amusement, Nor for intoxication, which is what we do when we overeat, nor for the sake of physical beauty and attractiveness. In other words, a lot of people get really into losing weight because they're too fat and they don't like it. And so they want to eat because of attractiveness. But only for the endurance and the continuance of this body, for ending discomfort and for assisting the holy life accordingly um, considering thus I shall terminate old feelings without arising new feelings and I shall be healthy and blameless and shall live in comfort
1: Mm.
0: yeah wow that's got so much packed into it and I shall live in comfort now um, the other one is to terminate uh, thus I shall terminate old feelings without arising new feelings and shall be healthy and blameless All right. now when we are eating the whole point is to slow down and begin to pay attention to what we're eating and that um, a really good thing to do that uh, can be in in the Thai language I forgot the exact Thai phrase but it has the quality of removing the hand from the bowl okay. or to take take your hand out of the pot basically what that means is while we're eating while we're chewing stop playing with our food <laughs> yeah okay that we withdraw the hand from the bowl but we don't not, we don't um we don't remove the hand and away from the bowl we keep the hand on the bowl but we don't have the hand in the bowl which means that for eating purposes what we would do if we're eating with knives and forks and spoons and what down to put them down to set them down on the table And pay attention to what we're eating. To literally go uh, take our mindfulness inside the the mouth. Yeah. So you can begin to experience the taste of the food. And then as we swallow, we notice the swallowing. But after a while, we also begin to pay attention to the belly. How does the belly feel? Because we don't. If we like the taste of the food and we're out there stirring it and playing with it and whatnot like that, we're not paying attention to the fact that um, until later, when the food runs out. Yeah, yeah. then no we worries. ask our right <laughs> You ask, am I full or not? When I've got no more food to eat, now am I full or not? The answer is, you should have stopped five minutes ago. <laughs> you ran out of you ran out of tummy before you ran out of food, and that's almost all the ways the case.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's uh, so. Go, go ahead.
0: So that means that we are going to uh, remove old bad feelings of looking at. Um, the desire and the want for the food and also to make sure that old bad feelings or let us say that uh, the newly arising feeling of being full is noticed so that we don't continue to eat after that thereby causing that feeling of fullness to be too much. Mm. In other words, no one knows their limit. What is yeah. the normal limit? The normal limit is the bottom of the bag, the bottom of the bowl, the bottom of the cup. That's the limit. And so that, what they, what happens then is they have things called barbecues or board or buffets and things like that. And almost everyone eats too much because the bowl is got no bottom to it, basically, not anywhere <laughs> yeah. near what a human person could eat because they're intended to feed hundreds of people. All of them overeating. Yeah. And so, um, this then, for uh, our own practice purposes. Because many cultures have different things. So let's look at, at cultures. One of them I just mentioned is the, the the cook will get upset in some cultures if you don't eat all her cooking. In other cultures, that same thing is, is that, uh, and, and in fact, this is almost an Islamic kind of thing. It's not everywhere, and uh, but if you are a guest and you eat all the food on your plate, the cook or the, uh, the lady of the house is bound by a uh, tradition of um, society to put more food on your plate. That you eventually have to come to a point that you can't eat it all and leaving a little on the plate is a signal for her to not to put more. If you clean your plate, she's got to put more food on it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So there's a lot of these uh, little things that uh, that are cultural that we can bypass right now because what we're going to be looking at is towards the end of the meal to begin to not just slow down because we've been slow. I mean, we've we slowed down. That's the whole point is to slow down. But towards the end of the meal, we pay more and more attention of, have I had enough? Is this satisfying? Yeah. Have I had enough of it? And so that, that way we can uh, uh, begin to say no earlier. We don't have to eat it all, whatever it was. That We can set a portion aside. Okay. And then we say, well, wait a minute. That's wasting food. Okay. All right. So let us say that you had the whole pie here and that you ate half of it. And you didn't eat the other half. Which half was wasted? We know, for sure the, we know for sure the part that you ate is going to turn to shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you throw out the other half of the pie because you didn't eat it, yeah. you're not well, wasting that's... it any more than you wasted the food that you ate.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I and,
0: see and what you mean. Yeah, and yet a lot of people will have that old mentality of the old habit of, because who, who, who served you food when you were a child? Mommy. Yeah. And if little Johnny doesn't eat Mommy's food, then Mommy feels bad because her food is no good. So she wants to make sure that Johnny eats all his food. Mm-hmm. They'll even go to points like you've got to eat your broccoli before you can have your cake and ice cream. This is the kind of thing. So there's a lot of food damage done to children in our society. And then when the food manufacturers who sell almost all of the food that we buy comes in a package or a box, food naturally does not come in a food or a box. If your food comes in a in a box or 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 a package, that means somebody's been doing to something on the inside of that food as well as on the packaging.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: How they can get corn flakes out of corn, I, I don't know. <laughs> but we do know that it's not all corn.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, it, I think it's mostly because uh, the, the like you said, the pleasure and. It's just uh, they put things l- literally so that your body can literally feel like pain after you eat it, like pain to want it more.
0: Right. In fact, they like that because if they can get you into the uh, into the addiction aspect of it. where you got to have it. You like it so much or that you feel deprived without it. Then you go buy more and the businessman says. That's a win. But it's a win for him. It's not a win for the guy who's become addicted to the food.
1: Yeah. yeah. And in that moment, that's when you could say you're born. Because the feeling, he gets you with the feeling. And then boom. And then so forth and so on. The relationship begins with anything. Pretty much.
0: Exactly. Exactly true. Exactly. Yeah. So. You're beginning to uh, see this. This is a good point um, to understand that the, the, the practice of, of sati, the practice of mindfulness and waking up, anapanasati, begins to have usefulness in every situation, yeah. including when it's time to eat. Let's eat mindfulness. When it's time to lay down and go to sleep, let's do that mindfully too. When we're driving the car, let's drive it mindfully. In in fact, one of the things that I have um, discussed and noticed with uh, other monks in the United States about driving a car is is that those monks who do drive generally are uh, excellent drivers. Yeah, (laughs) because they're watching the road. They're watching what they're doing. They're paying attention to it. We're normal drivers. Once they learn how to drive, now they to almost let the driving be done on automatic pilot, while they eat a McDonald's or talk on the cell phone or yell at the kids or slap their wife or all kinds of (laughs) things. Yeah, road rage. Road rage. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That's an interesting point, road rage. Yes, because the um, the logical wise thing is is that, oh, I can sit here in my car and relax. I don't have to go to work now. I can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The traffic's let me, here. <laughs> let me get in gear when the car has to go into gear. Yes, yes. That's
1: funny because I'm like, I figured one day, because, you know, in Florida, you naturally cut people. That's just a natural... Uh, conditioning, <laughs> and you you realize like even if you cut someone, you're all gonna get there at the same time, it, because you're all still in traffic. It doesn't matter who skips who. <laughs> it's like you're just all gonna get there at the same time, and the GPS proves it. <laughs>
0: it's like yes, exactly. But the changing of the lanes has the quality that at least I can do something, and I've got to do something, I can't stay here in traffic, is the mentality that they're in, mm-hmm. uh, they, uh, and so it's almost a frantic state, and that frantic has to do with, I want, I want, I want.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's usually the feeling that persists most of all the hindrances, which is like the restless feeling, like, that one is like the feeling like it feels like just um, what feeling is like the craving or you could call it craving like the craving. Like that's mostly what it is. I want I want I want even when you're not doing anything. It's like I have to stand up. I have to stand up like it's just randomly. And then there's a physical feeling that comes with that. A physical feeling.
0: Exactly. Now. Um, what we're. What's normally at the bottom of all of that is, we want relief, but we don't know how to get it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way, yeah. that We want relief and we don't know how to get it. And so we become, uh, we, we begin to stir. And it can be, in fact, uh, nowadays uh, people can stir so much that they can uh, go stir crazy. Or have cabin fever. They've got to get out. In fact, only a little bit of confinement for uh, for coronavirus in March and April left May and June as a huge outburst of activity.
1: Yeah, yeah, right? It's like we're so, <laughs> that's so true. You're making a really, um, like, obvious point that I did not. Like everybody's doing stuff when they're not supposed to be. Like when they're not, when they're for the first time, you don't have to work, guys, you're free. It's like, no, no, wait, wait, wait.
0: <laughs> don't look at it in the sense of not supposed to be. Yeah. In fact, the people who see it as not supposed to be will then rebel against that parent.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: The, a much, uh, let us say, satisfying way of looking at it, a much more wholesome way of looking at it, is not supposed to be, but that the authorities have said it's supposed to be because they have the scientific evidence, they're using wisdom. So the right way of us seeing it for ourselves is not that I'm supposed to be isolated, but rather it's a really wise thing for me to do, is to stay in seclusion and deal directly with the stir-crazy yeah. Rather than having to go out and stir up craziness because I have the feeling of stir crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That in fact, uh, one of the things that I had known about uh, during a trip to Minnesota in the 1960s, and I don't think that things have changed much back then, was because up in Upper Minnesota, And I think that this is not uh, just that particular locale, but it had a lot to do with the winter weather. That the old farmers during the summer, they had work to do. But in the winter, the only thing that they could do was to stay indoors. And they would have cabin fever. I mean, all kinds of really reckless, crazy behavior in families. And they would harm each other. Many of them were alcoholics. It was really an interesting situation until television came along to give them something to do with their Mm -hmm. idle time while they were in the cabin yeah (laughs) that cabin fever is actually real People go do go crazy if they don't know how to manage themselves to where some Mountain men in fact are really quite excellent at it because they have they have the love of seclusion. They like being alone.
1: Yeah, and I think it's like um, because usually it's like the restless overthink. We overthink about things just that don't really. That's why it's so bad, like you said, because you don't know the relief. So therefore, like, there's no hope or anything besides this is my existence. This is my life. This is how it's always going to be. And it's never going to change. And then uh-huh. something comes along. And it's funny because I started thinking about the jhanas, and I was like, that's similar that something comes along, like an object, and gets your attention. And then you have some of those things, like I have unified mind. And then once that object dissipates, you start to lose it. Like you start to be, all the hindrances come back. Uh-huh. Which is similar to like going, like you say, into the high states. And then falling back on um, to the hindrances, landing the crash landing <laughs> to the to the hindrances. It's, yes. n-
0: it's not a crash, actually, it's just going back from a yeah. very nice state into the ordinary state. But now we're beginning to see that ordinary state as as a crash or as a um, a form of uh, dukkha, uh, yeah. dissatisfaction, almost going to the point of of uh, let us say, putting it on steroids and calling it suffering.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't want to, like, I, I don't know if this is wrong or not, but because I have these thoughts sometimes when you practice, you're like, is that correct? And it's like, is. It's so funny because I would like nibbana, right? Like that whole thing. It's just all it's like the mind. But it's so weird. It's almost like the same. Like it's the world. The world is is that like it's it's the world when you're not when all of that is not there. Like it's just like a normal world. It's just normal. There's you. Everything is here except problems. <laughs> it's like that's it. And then but I would say like because Ron, uh, do you know Ram Do you know Ram Ramdas? You know Ram, Dass?
0: Ram Dass? Yes. Oh, uh, uh, Richard Alpert. Yes, yes. Richard yes.
1: Alpert. Yes. And he I actually said we when-
0: knew him. I met him once oh that
1: is so cool you have so many cool stories on your videos like you always tell about i went here and i went over here (laughs) and but he said once um that uh he told his teacher um is suffering the same thing is grace the same thing as suffering in his tradition that's the way they word it and his teacher was like i can't tell you this in public it's too much and it was like and it was similar because like i'm thinking like yeah it's It's just, it's so, I don't know, like my mind breaks just trying to think about that because, and then I think about like not overthinking, but in the sense of like you get so excited because it feels like you're going towards something bigger than yourself. That's what it feels like. Like that my sense of self is also a thing arising in this thing (laughs) and it gets more and more. It feels like, the more you get comfortable with that feeling, like you don't feel as much afraid, uh, it's a weird feeling. Like, and even to the point where, like I, like uh, when I told you I wanted to be a monk, remember that? Like uh, that. But the honest truth is, I was just really afraid. Like of, I guess I was still afraid, like of going, and going and attempting to do it because I was afraid to die, basically, because of the fact that there's so many crazy things that can happen to you in the world but that's just the reality always like yeah like and but then I just like it's just so weird like I don't know it's just so many things and then so much feelings but not like like emerging like memories and things like so many things have happened that's why I said like I don't want to go off into like another thing but it's like it feels as if like something is opening I guess that would be it's it's a sense like a sense of that like oh if I just keep doing this I'm gonna get lost in this like
0: well that that's exactly what we do want to have happen is we do want you that self sense of self to get lost in the great bigness of now the yeah. now is just so huge yeah and yeah. that each one of us really is insignificant when it comes to the um people use words like glory i don't like those kind of words but we can understand it that uh the glory of reality the bigness the uh immensity but what we do instead because of the self preservation instinct that is coupled along with all of the traumas of childhood is, is that we get into the position, almost our number one rule is um, things are dangerous. Yeah, yeah and, yeah. and that because things are dangerous, then that that kind of colors everything.
1: Yeah, it's it's unbelievable that that's the truth, but it is, <laughs> it's okay. almost
0: unbelievable. All right, so the self-preservation instinct's main job is, is to protect the individual or to protect the organism. Mm-hmm. So the mechanism of doing so is the messaging system it has called fear. But that's how, it's a, um, let us say, a chemical electrical system that the human body operates with, and that the primary uh, business of keeping uh, the organism alive, the human body alive, is by giving it feelings for motivations. For instance, the feeling of hunger will motivate the lion to go make a kill
1: yeah yeah
0: are the motivation of hearing the lion behind and and the herd goes crazy the herd will all collect together into the herd for protection all right these are all instinctual behaviors that are based in fear and so the human being has with his frontal cortex in use and service have been able to build a society that's fairly sleep Look at the room around you. There are no alligators. There are no pythons. There are no daggers. There are no um, uh, Bolshevik revolutionaries. You're safe.
1: Yeah, and it's funny because uh, one of the addictions I had was to um, uh, pornography, basically, just to be honest. Like, oh, that's so, you know, it's taboo, but it's, it's, you know... And I heard you talk about that in the other video, like not, ex- uh, but some of that, like specifically, to another student. And um, it was interesting because that's what's the root of that. It's the root that if if you don't if you don't need me, it's like kind of like that sadistic uh, boyfriend to the girlfriend. Like if you you can't be anyone without me. Like you know what I mean. Like you can't do you can't live without me. Like,, uh, and then the, and then the threats come like, oh man, you know, if you don't do this, you you're you know, like your mind really is, and then you're just like, oh, shut up, just relax. Right? Like calm down. You're so it's like the guns put down instead of like the fire of like, oh man, I did it again. Let me go up and fight it and try to, you know, find this thing again, basically.
0: Actually, what you're talking about there is, Um, ownership and control that Mm -hmm. the girl cannot even own herself or control herself even though she thinks that she is but without the skill of Anapanasati and the waking up she's as out of control as she's always been (laughs) but the guy comes along and he says wait a minute I love her I want her I need her I've got to have her and along with that means the only way I can prove that I've got her is to by being able to control her and she can't even control herself. <laughs> yeah. You can't control yourself. How can you control her? Right? Yeah. And everything that he tries to do worsens his chances of actually being able to, um, let us say, perhaps changing the emphasis from the word control to the word intimate and I'm using the word intimate not in the word sexually necessary but when two people are really just really close
1: yeah yeah
0: Yeah. but he's not close because he wants to own her and she cannot be owned yeah yeah okay so that's what a lot of uh, in fact Um, even though the word love has a kind of a high status in society, and a lot of people like to take that high status word out of English and apply it to Buddhism, I'm very reluctant to do that. An example is using the word metta as loving kindness. Mm, Yeah. Even the Dalai Lama took that word loving off and put, uh, my religion is kindness yeah, yeah. <laughs> because the word love has the quality of want mm-hmm. I I love you means I want you <laughs> yeah. okay won't you be mine mm-hmm. here if I give you this flower and this ring I yeah. want you to commit
1: yeah yeah.
0: and yet everybody deep in their heart especially when we're young we don't want to commit to anything mm-hmm.
1: <laughs>
0: and so the commitment is not from the man to the woman though it, uh, uh, when it comes to baby making uh, and baby raising that's when the commitment does come in but basically marriage is a business deal between two old men yeah, yeah and, and this is historically where it's been. It's always been that way, as far back as marriage ever goes. Okay? And so, the um, let us say the warlord will give his daughter to the king. Mm-hmm. And now the king has got a whole bunch of warlords in his area, which means he gets a whole lot of brides. We see that way back in history all over the place. How many you know, wives did the king have and concubines and in many different cultures in Egypt and uh, uh, Israel and China? All over the place. But in Rome, something happened. Rome was a pirate's cove. It was an outcast place. It was a place where all of the uh, um, uh, criminals from all over collected together. It was a den of thieves. That's how it started, 500 (laughs) B.C. No women. The only women that were there were brought there. There were a few Uh. that came on their own, but there was certainly a dearth of women, which meant that they began to have a rule, one man, one wife. Why? Because if you're in a whole area of, of criminals mm-hmm. and they see you having two wives, four of them will gang up on you and you may not have two wives anymore. <laughs> All right. So we're talking about a really bloodthirsty, blood um, uh, desperate kind of mentality that started the rule and the law that went my, wound up being there. <clears throat> And it's always kind of been that one woman was the first wife. She was the most important. She had the power.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) Uh, So that whole idea of one man, one woman got started in Roman area. That was not Jewish. Jewish was still polygamous. When Rome came in, then the Christians becoming Romans took on the job of one wife for a man it's not Christian it's Roman. but now modern Christianity doesn't know that it's also basically a good idea it actually winds up having less suffering because if you have more than one wife you need a bunch of them just to balance things out I mean the Muslims have had to put up with this for a long time when that second wife comes they're going to fight when the third wife comes along two of them are going to gang up on the third wife <laughs> generally the one that happens is the two old wives gang up on the third new wife but it can happen also the two new wives will gang up on the original old wife Oh my the three goodness. wives is always a mess <laughs> four wives begins to balance things out but even on a the car, they know that those little cars that have only four lug nuts don't have enough. You need five, at least five or six or eight, or then now you've got some balance going on when you've got it like that. But now things have just gotten out of hand.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And so um, there's a – but originally, just for that first wife, it was a business deal between two old men. Either the old man was getting this new girl for his son, or he wanted the girl for himself, one or the other. But Mm -hmm. it was always a business deal. And if I'm going to pay for a girl, I want her to be pure. That's the whole area of purity. I want her to have two things. One is she has no uh, illness, no STDs. And number two, she's not pregnant with somebody else's... Okay. The only way to guarantee that is virginity, and here comes that whole stupid culture of virginity in there, and it is still in in force today, even though guys will intellectually think that it doesn't matter. Still, the whole mentality that is in that phrase of cutting a virgin is a really, really big deal, because that's the way that it ought to be in that old mentality of ownership.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Now that we understand that women are equal to men, especially since in the old days, you see, it had to do with physical strength and physical power. And in that regard, men have always been more powerful than women. Yeah. But now that the world is changing and is becoming more and more intellectual, women are at least equal to men at that level.
1: Yeah. Yeah
0: and so the old power systems are having to change and one of the things that changes a lot was the fact that divorce started breaking up these marriages that were built in in bad circumstances and now marriage itself is dying out it's becoming unpopular yeah people are waiting and delaying and waiting and waiting and waiting because what's the point you see When I was raised in the 1960s, if a girl didn't get married before she was 20, the likelihood of her ever getting married was low. And she needed to get married because she needed a man because, you know, women's salaries were. So that's changed. Women don't need to get married anymore. And when they recognize the whole history of marriage is ownership, then they really don't want to have much of anything to do with marriage. There's some legal stuff like who can be in the bedroom when somebody dies or in the not the bedroom, the hospital room. <laughs> but those are really minor issues. Yeah. Um uh and and that uh uh it has more to do with the ignorance of the medical staff than it does culture or laws and things anyway. So getting back to the point then about requisites The fifth requisite is not how many women (laughs) is not a requisite. We don't need to own them, but Mm -hmm. we do need to have adequate shelter. We do need to have adequate food, but only adequate. And we should start looking at what's adequate. Mm -hmm. Adequate clothing and adequate medical attention. So. Uh, when we get to that, we understand that, wait a minute, we're trying to find what what law or what the society would be defined as poverty so that we can get above the poverty level. Because if we don't have uh, enough housing or food or shelter uh, or uh, medicine, it's going to be a guarantee that there's going to be uh, a dukkah. Yeah. Yeah. But if but if we can set a standard for ourselves, we begin to see over time. Wait a minute. As the mind gets strong, this this level of um, uh, foundation or what is adequate that begins to lower itself down. Yeah. That in fact, uh, because of the Buddha's uh, and his practice. He didn't actually need adequate shelter. At you know, I, this porch is more shelter than I need. Maybe yeah. when it's raining, we need more shelter. But other than that, so if we begin to recognize, wait a minute, I'm always good to go. I've got all the shelter I need.
1: Yeah, I have a then tree.
0: He, <laughs> yeah, I've got a tree. <laughs> And that same thing goes with not just food in general, but most specifically food while we're eating. Is to start asking the question, have I had enough yet? Right now, in this situation, watching a belly. Now, as far as cleaning one's plate, I've got a perfect solution to that. I've got two dogs here. And boy, do they pay attention when food comes out because i always share it with them because that really cuts down that that greed for food am i do i want this bite or am i willing to give it away to the dogs <laughs> yeah and so it's a it's a beautiful mindfulness exercise and they like it quite a bit very rarely do they go without
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> very rarely do they not get much generally they get about as much as i do because why? Because the cook has the mentality is you've got to eat all that I give you. If you don't eat it all, then there's something wrong with my cooking, which means there's something wrong with me.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's funny because so I've, got uh, <laughs> I've got a
0: team. I've got a team.
1: Yeah, it was like my uh my mother, when I lived with my mother, it was always Spanish food. So meat and rice and beans and, you know, Spanish food and uh eventually though like i kept eating that all my life and it to the point i mean i would just be kind of like really in pain and even eat at night because of the sugar level you know it's really high and um to the point where i was like oh my god like this is horror I, like i care about animals and 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 every but this is worse like just over indulging and the food part is just like, it really, like, I think stomach disease is like number one reason for people dying. And this COVID-19 thing is like uh, people who eat heavy red meats, uh, a lot of those people get really sick easier. So it's like our whole culture is basically predicated on like, you know, it's not like a real thing. It's always packaged and look good. Like this looks good. And even though you don't know the background of what they did to those things and you know, and, don't and stuff know. like
0: that. <laughs> <Don't know. laughs>
1: yeah. It's crazy. And I, I, and I, you know, I'm not like a preacher about eating healthy, but like, it's definitely a a, a need for uh, cultures that overeat. Like they need to learn about what food and about their bodies. Cause uh, people die. I mean, my mom, um, she had to stop eating. Like my stepdad, he had high cholesterol and he works out every day. Like So, it's not even about like your body, like looking good, it's about like what you digest and how well you can digest it. And Ayurveda uh, is a medical system, it's perfect for that if anyone ever wants to get into health. Like, Ayurveda, it's an India, a Vedic system. Um, I'm pretty sure you've heard of it, and I don't know if the Buddha had like that existed in his time,
0: but yes, in fact. The Four Noble Truths are the Ayurvedic medicine.
1: Oh, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, I've heard you say that. The
0: Buddha actually was well known and admitted easily and openly that he took things from all over the place and put them together so that people would understand what he was teaching. Ayurvedic medicine is there is an illness. What is the cause of that illness what is it going to be like to get free from that illness? And what is the procedure to go through to, to finish that illness off? Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. And, and and did and did all the other systems exist, like Ayurveda and Tantra and all that stuff and the Brahman?
0: Anapanasati and Pranayana were known in that time, Pajantali, and uh, who came yes. a bit later. Yes. Okay. But, yes
1: okay okay this is all making more sense because that's like where i started learning so it's like okay these things because in tantra they also say it's the highest form of teaching and they teach you that there is no heaven there is no you there is no mother they have that same quote of the super mundane um view in the Kashmir shaivism that's the same thing and that's really um connected to buddhism it's history yes it's weird you see it everywhere but this is the most simplified form, because I cannot look at a at a at a picture of a hundred thousand geo, geometric forms, and like that is just like not getting me anywhere.
0: <laughs> it's, it's like
1: it's just no.
0: Yes, actually, um, I find uh, that history is yeah. a great teacher for us to understand how we got from whatever to here and how Buddhism got to here is a very very interesting question and so I'm very curious about not just uh, the Buddha and what happened with that but also the environment that he was in the 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 royal families um, in the area and around and the culture and um, uh, ownership of women um, was prominent, and he, he did, in fact, break that down, allowing women to become the Coonies. Mm-hmm. I imagine that he had to put up, maybe not personally put up, because there was not much person he and didn't care, but there was a <laughs> lot of flack that the, yeah. that other monks and the culture put up with when he started leaving letting women join, because some of them walked out of their house. There is a yeah. poem in the Giza <laughs> excuse me, the Giza, where uh, she, she's um, uh, shouting joys of laughter that she doesn't have to put up with that husband anymore. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, yes, I agree. I agree. <laughs> I mean, if I was if at that time I was a, like a same, I would just go too. I mean, that's a free ride. It's awesome. You get to be with someone who's completely, you know, he's the talk of the town. <laughs> like, go to go to live in the forest. Yeah. It's exactly. like every kid's dream.
0: <laughs> yeah. I did dream of that. I really did like the woods when I was a child. Yeah, I think all
1: of us do if we ever go there. You know, because nowadays, it's you know, we don't really look at that. But, like, whenever I'm in the forest, it's the best place ever. There's no That's other my place. That's
0: intention. Actually, I... you wouldn't call this necessarily a deep forest because in Thailand, they, for centuries, have had the habit of mixing the forest with their uh, farming. Okay. Now, in later times, you can actually... Um, use the Google Earth or the satellite images and go over South Thailand to see what is still natural forest or what is planted in rows. But that's quite deceptive because things, when they're planted in rows, that's scientific. An example would be both rubber trees and also oil palms. But if you go into an oil palm forest, it is actually a forest. The only thing that makes it look like it's a, um, uh, a cultivated uh, farm is because of uh, the fact that the trees are spaced regularly. Hmm. But other yeah. than that, the floor and the fauna is all over the place. And that's the same thing here. That uh, Behind me is uh, the tree that you can see there is actually a Sempa tree. But that uh it's a, it's a mixture of vines, we have fan uh, uh, palms, we have uh, bigger pla- uh, plants like a papaya, banana, uh, coconut. All of those are planted things, but they're planted naturally. Mm. But the coconut palms are still in uh, all in a row. So if you look at this area, uh, on google map it looks like it is part of a plantation but here on the ground it looks like a forest <laughs> yeah
1: that's amazing and uh the whole um the forest like uh that's another thing like people are afraid of living like you would like how you're living people are genuinely afraid of that like they have an image in their mind that's is this is how it's going to turn out like because and since my happiness is dependent upon you know uh-huh. my shelter and how it looks and how much I get of it and that was another thing Like Fakes, when,
0: we see them all the time
1: yeah like and
0: they cleaned I mean, out a, a, some area over here and for a while we had mice come so uh, we have a lot of mice but I have not ever seen this I've heard of it before but the dogs that we have are mousers we don't need a cat Oh, they eat them? No, but they will hunt them down and kill them. Uh, and occasionally okay. <laughs> we have to take the carcass out of the house after they bug. Uh, and then sometimes they'll even bring it as a trophy. Look what I caught. <laughs> the and that's snakes, the, yeah,
1: yeah and, and especially in Thailand, like if you think about monastic life, they have to, you've been there, they have, you have to look out, look out for the snakes, look out for the. But, you know, just living in the forest in general is uh, is a, is a, is a way of letting go. go.
0: That's <laughs> yeah. the whole quality of the walking meditation that we teach the Westerners, is if you're going to do walking meditation, don't do it like you find in the Vasudhi Maga of up, lift, top, move, down, dump, like that. No, <laughs> the way to do walking meditation is to go barefoot. Yeah. That way, you really do have to watch where you're going. Yeah, yeah,
1: for sure. <laughs> and it's it's uh, funny because, and as we're talking about that, uh, to go off into a little something that I did want to mention real quick is um, as you keep building, like, on this meditation practice and um seeing that, okay, even positive like is not a problem it's just a problem when you when you uh try to find it in things like when you try to find it in in things that you think that you can own right so like where I'm at and I feel is like in a place where I could think I can put myself in, in a place of calmness and and I can do it with a relaxed mind and everything like that but and I keep seeing that there is like no self. It might come up and then you'll see it again, and then it'll it'll come and then you deal with it, and then you keep doing and it'll keep getting lower. As you say, it keeps getting lower and lower. And then um what's interesting is like I could see how the jhanas like basically the fruits of that samadhi. Um, when your mind is basically not bothered, when it's unified, when it's basically just another dhamma and and, and it's just left alone <laughs> basically leave everything else alone and let you yourself or whatever you want to, to be, uh, to be, just to be. And then I can, so is the practice just to get to that place of keep going, just keep seeing that until you see it, until you jump in and then the door closes and you're there and you're not going to go back on um, like the, the seeing that no self, that in that. The more that I, I let go and the more that I see that it's actually satisfaction, that it's the real deal, then the self will I, automatically go as
0: well. Okay, this is what I would say about it. One of the things to begin to understand is, is that where <clears throat> whatever the goal is, Um, That the goal is not to be reached or achieved, Mm -hmm. but rather the goal is to relax into the goal because you've already arrived at where the goal is. This is a different concept. In other words, we have to recognize that we are already where we were intending to go.
1: Yes, okay, yeah.
0: All right, if that's the case, then that means that those things over there that I thought were my business, that I have to go do that stuff before I can reach my goal, I begin to understand those things are really not my business because I've already reached the goal. What I have to do is discover that I am already at the goal, and the goal is only going to be found right here, right now. That stuff over there is not my business.
1: And you just keep doing that, right? And then...
0: Okay, that's the that's first part yeah. of it.
1: Okay, that's okay. That's the
0: important part. Okay. That's not my business. Okay, so and that's oh uh-huh, uh, Well, that's actually um, uh, the result yeah. of a correct investigation. Okay, okay. The result yeah. of the correct investigation is that's not my problem. It's not my mm-hmm. worry. I yeah. It does not belong to me.
1: Okay. Like intentionally seeing a Nietzsche.
0: Intentionally seeing. For instance, uh, George Bush was not my problem. Yeah. No. And right now, Donald Trump is not my problem. And that's hard for people. Okay? The Democratic Party is not my problem. Liberals are not my problem. Conservatives are not my problem. Mm-hmm. Politics is not my problem and when we begin to do that we begin to see whenever we have the news and we begin to feel bad about what's going on we will have to recognize that the news actually is in business to get people curious and interested they have the story of if it bleeds it leads
1: (laughs) oh my god that's horrible
0: Well, that's every news story. Every news story, they lead with the bleed. So what is the biggest turd that Trump has laid today is what they're going to bring out (laughs) as their lead story. Right. When you recognize that, you recognize, okay, that's their business. ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, MSNBC, Fox, the whole crowd, that all is their business. It's not my business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when we look at it from that position, we can look at it, and the, the one step lower down is, is that I am not in service to that business. Mm-hmm. It is not my business to service that business then the next statement is that means that we're actually going to come out of service
1: Ah, yeah (laughs) i see i see
0: yeah ah yeah we could be out of service right what does that mean or out of order yeah out of order yeah okay so here we are we're the vending machine And every thought about politics is like something putting money in us and we're just out of order. We're not going to deliver the goods. We're out of service. That's not my business. It's not my business to pop candy down in the bottom of this thing just because somebody popped a quarter in. It's been a long time since I've been to vending machines, I know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: now now you can just put your phone on it and it'll scan, like, scan your phone and that's it like a, 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 a digital card
0: mm. yeah but not for a quarter <laughs> <laughs> anyway this whole idea then of being out of service yeah. that you don't have to that you can relax We can think of it, in fact, really the time to come out of service or go go out of business is when the job has been done. When the contract has been fulfilled, when the service has been rendered, now we can take um, relief that the job is over. The job is well done, it's finished. Well, what is the job to do? The job is to clean the hindrances out of the mind. Yeah, that's the job to do. That's the right effort. And when we take that right effort and clean the of the hindrances out of the mind, then the job is finished. Now I can sit and relax. Got no mm-hmm. place to go and nothing to do. And we begin to develop that as a point of view or as a as a habit. Okay. And so now we begin to say, okay, well, if all of those jobs are already finished and there is nothing left to do and that I am out of service, that means I can actually begin to enjoy my life. Yeah, yeah. Be on retreat, take a vacation. Yeah. And this is exactly how we practice Anapanasati. The gladdening of the mind is, in fact, the finishing the task. It, it almost and then makes the you, enjoyment, the relaxation, the suka, is the state yeah. that we fall into. The joy of having nothing to do.
1: Yeah. And it it almost makes me see like uh, that the self-preservation instinct is even itself created. Like that it could be like in a sense like It's caused by something and it's always this, it's always caused by, it's weird. It's so weird. I keep looking at it and I'm like, wow, like that's amazing that it's really just that little thing. Just look at that. Wow. Like that's, that's what's been bugging me all my life. And, and it's weird because it's like, it just, it's just a strange, (laughs) it's a happy strange though. It's like a wonder, like it's good. And it's inside uh-huh. and, you
0: know, yeah. Right. What what we could say possibly in a way to describe it is it, it is a niggle or just a bit of an uncomfortable sensation deep yeah. inside, somewhere in the chest or the belly area, somewhere in there. But it's just kind of a sinking, maybe kind of a hole that we think needs to be filled.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's okay, the fear of a fall. longing or something that's incomplete. Mm-hmm. But when we yeah. begin to recognize, wait a minute, that's what's been driving me my whole life is trying to fill that hole instead of enjoying the fact that it's empty.
1: Yeah, and it's funny because at the same time, then it's like it's always been that way, and it's never going to like it. I don't want to. That's another thing that is weird in Buddhism. It's like, is that gonna change?
0: Like once you start breathing and breathe into it, you can begin to recognize that it's not nearly the boogeyman that we have been driven. You see, it's only a boogeyman, it's only a monster when it sneaks up on us or is subconscious. Once we mm-hmm. bring it into full okay. conscious awareness, we see what a trifling little bitch it is. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah and it's it's weird because that's the thing is like that that emptiness that shun you could say shunyata right that's the word um it's like is it the thing like because buddhism is is really heavy on this thing like nibbana emptiness and and then there's the, uh the, that's the goal quote unquote but it's like when you see it, is that the thing uh, it's a thing it's also a, a dhamma but it's also like does it change to
0: if we can say that uh, nibbana is the goal yeah. then we can say that it's the goal but very much like that the pie cools off once we take the effort of taking it out of the oven okay the word nabana okay. means to cool yeah. okay but the oven is the oven of the mind the oven of the thought the oven of the grinding on okay the grinding and grinding on the friction of the mind is the heat that keeps us dissatisfied but once we come into a state of satisfaction (laughs) then we cool off okay Mm -hmm. now there's a distinction there between sunyata and uh, nirvana let's look at sunyata also in reference to nirvana because in fact sunyata then is the emptiness or the lack of heat there's no heat we're empty of heat which means naturally nirvana so nirvana becomes cool because it's not busy and that things are not busy because there's nothing there much to be busy so now let's yeah, look yeah
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah Okay now let's look at it from a different angle of Sunyata which is another way of the Buddha looking at it is, is to begin to see things as they are which means they're empty of the things that we project onto it An example of that is the forest is just the forest and it is empty of of the village now you can imagine that when that teaching is there for the uh, the monks way out in the forest and they recognize yes we are in the forest we are this place is empty of the village why am i bringing the village into this empty forest yeah another example would be the sala because this one was one that the buddha used with anatta notice that this sala is empty It's empty of bowls, it's empty of robes, it's empty of monks, it's empty of the noise and chatter of eating. It's empty. But when we walk into an empty sala, we don't see the emptiness in it we think of, but we could, in fact, understand that this sala was designed and built for, and on occasion it is filled and it does have stuff, but right now it's empty. And now we can take that a little bit further, okay? We we begin to start seeing where things are actually empty of the things that we thought were there or that we didn't even consider at all.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: That, that, that in fact, we are empty. An example is, is that I'm empty of hunger right now. And I'm okay because I'm empty of hunger. And when we recognize that when we empty things out all together, that means that there's nothing there to clap around and make noise with or uh, cause friction or anything.
1: Yeah. And and, and, and so that's.
0: That's the hindrances. We throw the hindrances out and we become empty of the hindrances.
1: And, and, but that, like, I know you're saying it's normal, but a mind that is permanently like it all the time not just like in the in the world eyes it's not normal like in the eyes of the world it's like an insane person almost like why are you happy all the time how what the heck is wrong
0: with you like
1: <laughs> you know and it's 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 funny
0: that may be the thought that you're having now but a lot of pens that i, oh, have, no, I prefer i prefer, yeah. that they do not yeah. get that reaction
1: yeah, i prefer insanity if this is what that is <laughs> Well,
0: only that can be seen from a distance, but if you are in fact being happy and open and pleasant with someone right here, right now, that happiness will rub off on them. Mm -hmm. This is the whole quality of mudita, which is part of the Brahma Viharas. It's our metta in action. Yeah. To spread joy.
1: Yeah and and then All the indifference the
0: Republicans think you're crazy if you're happy
1: yeah i know i, I pref- it's okay i prefer it's okay like Make they a <laughs> <laughs> no no yeah no i i i it's okay i don't care if they <laughs> they they need some at this moment i think everybody but it, it was uh funny cuz i with the indifference in the meta that i always wondered like I was thinking about, like, why does the Buddha always say, like, oh, treat your own mind as if a mother would her own child. And I'm thinking about, like, well, what is a mother? Like, when I think about a mother, like a mother, mother, mother. And I think about the quali- I thought about the qualities of metta. And I was like, okay, since the highest is the equ- equanimity, it's like, okay, so does he mean just indifferent and in- basically spreading metta indifferently? Like spreading it indifferently, regardless of whatever conditions arise, it doesn't matter. It does, it, you know. Okay. It, yeah.
0: Now I understand. Normally, yeah. we use the word indifferently in a different way. <laughs> yeah, it's more yeah. like
1: it's more like dry and dumb, like a dull someone that is indifferent. But when I think of a different, that can mean in any it can mean in any context. You're you you you're indifferent. Either you're either asleep or awake. And there is no like you're indifferent in either of those two ways. You're awake and you're indifferent, or you're like asleep. You know what, uh, what I mean? Like, I think. Yeah. I do.
0: Yes, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Uh huh. Like okay. the Buddha
1: is indifferent, but like meaning he's at peace, but his peace can't be affected because it's indifferent.
0: Let's not use the word indifferent. Let me give you a different way of looking at it. Okay. Um, one of the ways that I have come to uh, discuss equanimity is by introducing the concept of sea legs. Okay. The sea legs are the are the legs that the sailor has, and that let us talk about the sailor who has. It's a fair sized yacht. He's a, it's a fairly big yacht. Got place for more than one on it. But when they're out on the lake or on the ocean, the guy who owns the boat is the only one who can get all around that boat because he's got his sea legs. Okay. All right. Now, on a much larger uh, uh, ship, um, that when the waves are coming, someone who is not used to it, uh, when the boat goes that way, they'll run all the way over to the other uh, uh, deck or yeah. the, uh, the, 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 the siding and then the boat goes this way and then they will all the way over, okay? The one who has the sea legs is the one who can continue his um, journey regardless of the fact that the floor underneath him is unstable.
1: Yeah, yes, okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, when we start applying that—that that in fact, uh, equanimity means that we can handle the vicissitudes of the world with the yeah. sea legs of the mind, so that we can keep our balance, we can we can maintain our um, um, ability to maneuver, and we don't have to um, to stop and pay a whole lot of attention to getting our footing. Because our footing now is a skill that we've developed.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: All right, so this is equanimity. But the equanimity then would mean that you can continue to spread the joy even when it gets pretty rocky. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, when it gets re- really bad. <laughs> All right, good that's bad. our
0: equanimity. The equanimity is the fact that we've got sea legs that we can manage and not lose our equilibrium. We don't have to roll across the deck just because the deck is rolling in the sea. Mm.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: Now, that's not exactly indifference because we actually do have the intention of spreading joy.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, okay. It's like more of an equilibrium.
0: OK, like, it, all yeah. right. So equilibrium does work, okay. but it doesn't have quite the uh, the storyline as the sea legs because the sea legs are what we need to get our equilibrium.
1: OK, so like like a uh, uh, mindfulness and wisdom. mindful not just. Oh, I got it. Like, mindfulness like,
0: for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. You have to remember that this is not going to upset us.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: That this too shall pass. Nothing is going yes. to bother us. So, um, equanimity then, is, is uh, uh, let us say, the outcome then, of being in the habit of mudita, or spreading joy. The sympathetic joy. Mm-hmm. If you have joy and you are smiling and joking with other people around you, they won't think you're crazy. They'll start smiling and joking back. Yeah. It's only someone who's really, really stuck in bad uh, feelings that that, uh, uh, will be like that. But even he could be teased into smiling. Yeah, yeah. It's
1: uh, funny because like... uh There's something similar in the Tibetan chants that you say like that it's not that we always suffer like like always all the time that it's uh, they say that when you meet someone who wants to hurt you, you should hold that person as a rare human, because that's not like always the case, basically that, you know, someone who's so upset that they're willing to cause destruction to so many people that that's not usually how people are. Usually people just want to be left at peace. Oh, you're like
0: you're you're touching on something I didn't know about that, but I have seen that in action. That in fact there is—I won't go into any much details in, of it, other than there is a meditation teacher that I hold in very high special regard because he uh, hates me
1: <laughs> oh, and man. is
0: jealous of me. And will do anything he can to harm me. And I have no others in the Dhamma who, um, I mean, I've actually sent him um, contributions that he was asking for. He was out asking, you know, he was uh, drumming up Donna. I sent him 700 uh, euros and he sent it back. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. But that was a lesson. Yeah. Wow, because why Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa would have never taught me that lesson. I chan Ko would have never taught me the the, the lesson of rejection.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. And so what I did was that here comes the competition competing with this guy. What do you mean? Okay, I'm as good as you are or why do you treat me like that or whatever like that? And eventually I had to come to the point that it's uh, whatever it is with him is not me.
1: Yeah,
0: I yeah. used to have in the in the sense of wanting to know what it was that he held against me.
1: Yeah, closure. What have I
0: done wrong to offend him so badly? Yeah, and I really wanted to know, and it burned me. Now I don't care. <laughs>
1: yeah, like the closure, the closure that we asked for.
0: Right. No, there was never any closure with him. The closure is all in this mind. Yeah, it really so is. So just let it go. Be over there. That's not my problem. It's not my worry. It's out of sight now. But at I'm one happy. time, I made it my problem. Why does he hate me so much?
1: Yeah, that's crazy. I don't know why he would. That's insane. Well, good, he lives in Europe. But there, He can't hurt you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> He's here in Thailand. <laughs> oh
1: no! Oh man, that's crazy. Well, that's good that you're not in fear in anything. That's good that you. Pardon? That's good that you're not like against it or you're over it. You, it's over. Like it's. It was done.
0: a big lesson. Yeah. It was a big lesson because it it goes right to the very depths of. Uh, the poly word is mana. And it's that, uh, it's, that word mana is very close to the word minute. But the word mana here means conceit or the quality I am, and the way that we see it existing is in the form of competition, that we compete with each other rather than cooperate. This is why the Buddha is so big on friendship, is because friendship destroys this deep fetter of i am different than you are or i am competing and i have to prove i am different than you are because i gotta beat you in some competition somehow like being the best dama dude (laughs) yeah
1: yeah, it's in anything we can do that in anything with everything
0: but when but when we can see that in ourselves and recognize that all of this time and worry and effort and thinking about how, what emails I'm going to write to this guy and all that kind of stuff is merely me making something my business that is really not my business.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny. We always do that like if someone's yelling at me, then I mean, why why would I freak out if nothing's happened to me because or whatever? Because we
0: freaked I... out when we were children.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. When we true. were
0: really little, really we really needed it to be acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. To be rejected is to is to be isolated, to be um, uh, uh, what is the word? Uh. Rejected or kicked out or isolated or um, um. Uh, neglected. Yeah, when someone is thrown out of the country, they're um, oh, uh, exiled. Ex- that's the word ex- that we yeah. we're looking for. Yeah, <laughs> exile. Okay. <clears throat> and that's very dangerous to be exiled. An example of that is a, uh, a young baby monkey is in the nest with all of the other monkeys, and this monkey is sick or he's crying or he's making a lot of noise. And the big monkey in there is going to make sure that the mom gets his baby quiet because he does not want to get the python and the gorilla and the, uh, not the gorilla, never mind the gorilla, the panther. Uh And um, um, uh, the big snakes and all of that, uh, he doesn't want them to know where the nest is. And so if the monkey is making a lot of noise, the the head monkey and the other monkeys will pull that baby out of the nest. Because the whole monkey tribe is more important than that baby monkey making noise. <laughs> oh, my goodness.
1: Well, Man. we learned that <laughs> as
0: baby monkeys. Yeah. We okay. learned that as baby monkeys. You don't make too much trouble or you're going to get kicked out of the nest.
1: Yeah.
0: And oh, you saying that to their teenage daughters. I'm the boss here. You do it my way or you get out of the house. That's it.
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's like I never understood the whole thing of like this is my family. This is this is as a kid like I don't understand like Are we supposed to be afraid of other people? I don't you know what? I mean like that's the mentality they give as You know the culture like a very isolated in general Just Mm -hmm. as a a foundation
0: really hard for us little kids to figure that out because we don't have a key ingredient of knowledge and the key ingredient of knowledge is the adults around me are no more developed than i am
1: yeah i realized that so young though oh my gosh i remember that day too clearly like i remember i was like i think eight years old i know i know (laughs) like i realized that i ate like i was like this is not this is not right something's wrong
0: Something <laughs> is wrong in this culture, exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I was like, oh, man, what is happening?" I do not want to argue like all these people do, like the adults arguing, you know, and doing just crazy things like adults. But in, in general, that's the idea of an adult that we have. It's, it's funny because growing up and I'm 21 now, so seeing how the culture has changed little by little by little. And seeing how much more separated we become, it's kind of crazy. Like the families and the people and everything. And you just kind of get, like, tired. And most people don't want to do that. Like, most people just, they're genuinely tired of just the whole thing. And they just don't know what to do. They don't know what to do.
0: Well, the thing to do is get off that treadmill.
1: Yeah. Get, get, on
0: the, <laughs> yeah. get in
1: the forest.
0: And, and what I'm saying is not in a big way. Yeah. But in a little way, in the sense of getting off of that treadmill right now, get those hindrances out of the mind right now, relax right now and, and get I in think, the habit of being able to relax.
1: Yeah. And I think most people, they have trouble hearing that. And I did, too, because you're you are told, do it now. Do it now. Right now. You have to finish it immediately. Do it. Uh, you got to get it right the first time where you're and It's not, or if not, it's not good. enough.
0: Now, that's that's the cultural baggage
1: yeah yeah like you know the wanker has go.
0: the phrase never mind start again
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's a, uh, it's definitely it's almost uh weird because the more you practice it seems is like the more you just never mind you know it's not about going somewhere doing this it's just and this is again and again and one again it's just like until you die <laughs> And you just keep getting more joy. We don't
0: have to say never mind so often anymore. Yeah, we're already minding.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's almost so strange. Again, it just comes back to the strangeness of like, I'm talking to you as an arising. Like sentient or something like it's just uh, like both are there. And um it is really strange like when especially when you talk about sankaras and all those things like that like these things are just all caused by you know ignorance and things like that and then you start kind of thinking like wow you start to see that yourself on the practical level isn't as real as you thought and that kind of gives you a sense of courage and also fear is always kind of trying to get you behind that courage like oh there you are but yeah, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful, it's like the most beautiful thing that has ever been. It's weird because like I don't know like, uh, especially the intimate, like vulnerability, and that's another thing that I've gained from that, from this practice, is like the vulnerable, being okay with being a human. Like, <laughs> you know, being okay with being a human being. Like, oh, okay, it's okay.
0: I would, <clears throat> let's, let's end on this point about Vulnerable. Oh, okay. I would put the word vulnerable in the same um, bucket as uh, humble. Mm-hmm. Okay. Vulnerable basically comes from the uh, from the position of being open. But the original word for vulnerable had to mean that you were subject to being under attack or that there was fear. And so a better way of looking at it is, is let us become fearless rather than vulnerable. There's no reason to be vulnerable. In fact, you're not vulnerable. Okay. Why? Okay. Because you're not vulnerable. You're no longer vulnerable to the slings and arrows of outrageous uh, attacks by uh, <laughs> the media or whatever. Okay? okay? Yeah. And so we become fearless because we can handle it. Vulnerable has a different quality to it in, in that it's uh, it's better to be open and take the chance that it's dangerous. Yeah, We're yeah. saying it ain't dangerous. Yeah, that's, a weird. dangerous. that's
1: a better... That's Yeah, I see. This makes more sense.
0: And that has exactly that same quality with uh, humility or humbleness. The Buddha was not humble. Humble is something that the Christians say is a, um, uh, let us say, an antidote or the opposite of pride. Yeah. Okay, well, we understand in Buddhism language that pride is actually part of conceit. Instead of the conceit, humble, uh, uh, diametric, we're going to throw the whole thing out Mm. and not be conceited. We're going to be friendly. But we're going to be friendly in a strong way so that we don't have to be humble at all, nor do we have to be prideful. We can be joyfully strong instead.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's more of like you you take a step uh, or no, I'm sorry, a stand like a very mm-hmm. a stand on a mountain it was uh uh yeah it felt like that like you, the things it's so it again i think on it and i just get happy and i don't even mm-hmm. i can't even talk about it because it's so you think on that and you're like yeah yeah yep <laughs> she's just like yes and everything is it's like yeah that's and then it just affirms it more and more
0: <laughs> it's like
1: right. yeah
0: Okay, well, you don't have to be vulnerable, and you don't have to be humble. Mm -hmm. Humility is not the antidote for pride. That uh, friendship is the antidote for pride. Yeah. And fearlessness (laughs) is the the solution for vulnerability. And we can practice that. Mm -hmm. We can say here, and in fact... If we feel vulnerable, if we feel in the sense of um, uh, danger, then we can look around, we can open our eyes, we can look around and say, hey, you know, it's safe right here. There's no reason to feel danger right here. Let's Let's breathe that danger out. Let's breathe that fear out. We don't have to feel vulnerable right now. We can feel satisfied and safe right now. It's not dangerous. If we have all of these false positives of danger, that means that we're not going to be very good at seeing real, true, positive dangers. Yeah. And that's wisdom. Wisdom is when we can really see what the dangers are rather than operating out of our feeling, which is much more, um, let us say, Mm primitive-based and gives a lot of false positives so that we feel fearful when there's nothing to fear
1: yeah yeah
0: an example of that is going into an interview for a job i've actually had one of the students say that the uh interviewer was he got the job by the way but uh the interviewer was surprised because he was so relaxed that's the way that the lady said it (laughs) you're so relaxed everybody's just so uptight in here well yeah yeah he yeah. got practiced, he got ready for that interview so that he could do it in a easygoing, relaxed way. He did not have to be vulnerable. Yeah.
1: That's, um, that's amazing. But uh, uh, and last question before you go, because I know you have okay. to, uh, uh, what suit does, do you mainly take from? Because I would like to read those.
0: Um, let us say that it's a package deal. Okay. And that there, um, that there is no one sutta more important or powerful than another. Though when you read that sutta, it it begins to say, "Wow, this is the exodus. This is the heart. This is the whole." (laughs) Okay. So get your pen out, and I'll give you a list.
1: Okay. I'm gonna have my uh,
0: phone here. Just a good place to start is number 22
1: okay i'm ready number 22
0: number 22 and then we go right to the heart of it number 118 is the anapanasati sutta and its companion is number 10 the Satipatthana sutta number 117 is a sutta that i use a lot number 24 and number 48 are twins And with them, I use the Saba Asava Sutta number two. I also draw from number 19 and from number 39. And number 38 is a really good one. And then along with number 117 is number nine, the uh, um, uh, Samaditi Sutta, which is one's right view and number uh, 117 is also on right view okay okay so that'll give you a list there
1: yeah i got it i got it on this phone (laughs) awesome
0: all you have to do is say mn and followed by the number mn 118 google that and it'll bring it right up i tend to use myself damas central or suit central because the uh, the uh, the, subha- uh, the uh translations, we can mix the polytype or uh, excuse me, the the poly English poly English um, line by line makes it very easy to find the exact poly point that I'm looking for.
1: I can't wait to see them. I'll definitely look into it.
0: Okay, Suta or excuse me, uh, yeah, Sutta Central.
1: Sutra Central. The, okay.
0: It. Okay. Or you can Google each one of them because Sutra Central will generally be in that list that uh, Google will bring up. Okay. All right, Dennis. It's good to see you again.
1: <laughs> it was good, it good to see you too. Next
0: time to call. I
1: won't. I will I was so <laughs> happy. <laughs> Thank you.
0: Okay, Dennis. Have a good day. A good moment, anyway. <laughs> a <goodbye. laughs> yes, yes.